Welcome to the Awareness in Motion podcast. I'm your host, Angela McMillan. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land I stand on today, the Ghana people. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. Let's have some fun together. I would love to welcome you to our community, the Movement Online Academy. An extraordinary life starts with your own well-being. Hello, Faria. Welcome to the Awareness in Motion podcast. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here, Angela. Thank you so much for inviting me for the podcast. So, I mean, it's not daytime for you, is it? It's the evening. Yes, it's it's evening. It's past dinner, depending on when you're having dinner. So 7.30 in the evening. And for you, it's morning. Yeah, it's just about 9 a.m. and I've dropped the little people to school so I could (laughs) come hang out with you. (laughs) It's a small world now, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I love that. We can chat from all around the world at different time zones. Yeah. So let's dive into your history of how you got to where you are today as a amazing movement professional specializing in breathing. So when did it all begin? What age were you where you first went, oh, I like this movement stuff? (laughs) Well, I think I was always uh, a very kinesthetic learner when I look back. But what really got me, there are a number of things that really got me into uh, being fascinated about breathing. So when again, when I look back at my history, I had a lot of breathing issues. I had allergies. I remember going to school as a little kid with wads of Kleenex in my pocket, always having a runny nose and really mm. struggling with school and attention. And um, I think part of it was very much my breathing problems that caused a lot of issues with, um, I guess, brain fog when I was a kid and attention span mm. in school. Interesting. And yeah, so I would zone out. I would I would zone out in class and just miss a whole piece of what the teacher was saying. I have no clue what was going on. Oh. Um, later on developed, uh, was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder. Um, right. But also uh, one big event in my life, uh, I would say a tragedy, is that um, my mother was diagnosed with a very strange form of lung cancer and um, it took her life very quickly and during that time i was a young teen um, and a tumultuous teenager and i was spending some time taking care of her and Mm. um, and i was very aware of how she was breathing because she was struggling with breathing naturally Um, and so I noticed kind of how she was breathing. And during that time, I think the stress, I had no idea how stressed I actually was. But no, I, I don't think anyone does in those times of trauma. You're just in it, right? You're, you're in it. You're just there. And yeah. uh, I developed asthma. Mm. So kind of like a stress-induced asthma. 
and uh and and so that sort of the allergies the poor breathing habits a lot of the mouth breathing led to asthma uh, hyperventilation stress response um mm. and you know you know and all of that and suppressing grief as well really affects your breathing patterns when you suppress grief so that was yeah. that was a big um what's the word it had big impact on yeah. the my life and also it was um something that got me very dialed in and curious about breathing mm -hmm. yeah. um when in through my um university years when i was going to mcmaster university in hamilton ontario i was taking biology i was initially wanting to become a doctor and go into medicine but yeah, wow. at the time my attention deficit issues um i just couldn't focus i couldn't concentrate couldn't remember things and so um i my path went a different direction and yeah. thankfully thankfully um in a good direction i ended up really understanding that even though i love science i love mm. physiology I, um, my gift was kinesthetic awareness, body awareness, and touch yep. awareness. Yeah. And I went, I went to massage school in Ontario, did my two years of training and became a registered massage therapist in Ontario. I was like a duck in water. I, I was <laughs> just Love so that. happy. It was good. It was really good. It was It was in a way, it was my weakness in university, but it was my strength there. Yeah, right. So you became a massage, so a body therapist, really, yes. early on. Yeah, yeah. I did. So that was in your with it for quite a while. What was that? Yeah. In your 20s, that was, yeah? Yes, yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, well, I did, at some point, I did start getting, um, I was starting to get bored with it, I think. Yeah. I was taking all kinds of courses for all kinds of different um, methodologies of soft tissue work and I was starting to realize that there was something else I wanted to know mm. I guess for myself too right I wanted to know yeah. how to understand and how to learn yeah and yeah. that's when I tumbled into the Feldenkrais method never looked back since it's been a lifesaver it's helped me yeah. understand movement Mm. It helped me understand breathing. Um, and uh, I just love doing the work because it's so empowering, so empowering. Don't you find that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. It's interesting that, you know, a lot of um, people I'm talking to recently about becoming Feldenkrais practitioners it is that point where there's something more that's missing and that's how they find Feldenkrais. And I'm hearing that in you, that you you did the body work. I mean, that could be enough for some people. But mm -hmm. for others, the people that come to Feldenkrais, they're still looking. There's something more. They feel that inner the knowing that there's something missing in their education around body work. Would you say that? Hmm. I would say so, because I would have clients who'd come to see me, love the work I was doing, um, but they would come back with similar complaints. Hmm. So there was a certain 
stasis or staticness in their progress, physical progress. Maybe they were getting some emotional support, which was wonderful and important soft tissue work, which they needed. But there was something where, where the development, the progress kind of stopped. Mm. And I wanted I wanted it to keep going. Not maybe they didn't, <laughs> but I, I knew there was something more that if they understood something, that they would overcome that that condition or that physical problem. Mm. They would completely overcome it. So yeah. I knew that there That's was what, something there. Yeah. And that's what makes them an amazing practitioner, doesn't it? That they're, they want to help their clients. That's where they're coming from is I know there's something else that I can help them with. What is it? And that's, yeah, that's what happened with you. Amazing. Amazing. Well, you no, know, and that's the beautiful thing about the work is that, um, well, in some ways it's a really bad business model, right? <laughs> because you're working yourself out of work. Yes. <laughs> Right? Yes, you are. Because we give the people the skills to help themselves. So right. <laughs> and that other profession sure. where they have to keep going back to feel better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great business model because they have to keep going back to get that readjustment or that, you know, feel better. And then <laughs> but um yeah, it doesn't give the person self-autonomy and self um yeah, self-actualization so they can do it themselves. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. And there was another breathing practice that you dove into as well. Do you want to share about that one? Yes. So I um, I was I was really fascinated with Feldenkrais's lessons, breathing lessons, and how it changed how I would breathe. But I would often, I would still, because I had a, a breathing pattern disorder I couldn't figure out what it was I was doing uh, on a day-to-day basis that was underneath I think my conscious level of what I was doing that was destabilizing myself so Mm -hmm. I studied the Buteco method with Patrick McEwen and a wonderful man just really generous teacher and uh, so I took his course and f- learned a lot about the science and the physiology around breathing pattern, the importance of carbon dioxide and oxygen balance, um, mm-hmm. how nitric oxide works in the body, what the nasal passages do for us, um, and and just learning how to simplify, simplify yeah. the breath, uh, day-to-day breathing, and learning how to st- to maintain a certain amount of stability in the nervous system. Yeah. And if you can't, how to get it back, right? Quickly. Mm. 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 Yeah, breathing's so fascinating because it is that one thing that can change your state very quickly, isn't it? It is. It's one thing that, you know, brings us into the world, right? It's the last thing we do when we leave. And it is fundamental and essential and primary. And I've, uh, I've noticed that when I include some attention to breath with my clients, they get better even faster. Mm. Fascinating. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there's a lot of talk around breathing and many of the practices out there have, they talk about the right way to breathe for that practice. Do you want to share a little bit about that, how it can be beneficial maybe, but also be holding them back from um, other Mm-hmm. Well, I think Moshe said, there was something he said in one of his lectures, it would be, if there's one right way to breathe, then is there only one right way to talk? Mm-hmm. And yeah. of course, there isn't. No. Um, breathing, it has to be responsive and movable and um and as natural as possible, so not imposed, right? It happens in the background on its own. But I think that when we we get stuck on a certain methodology or a certain belief system of what it should feel like or look like, because yeah. people get attached to the visual um, yeah. representation of breath, that can really cause some confusion yeah and so unlearning that confusion and bringing it right back down to simple natural quiet that's that's what the buteco method has done for me is help me bring people back to that natural rhythm really quickly so that they know what it's like for the diaphragm to actually contract on its own without you imposing or interfering with it Mm, fascinating yeah so, you know, a lot of people, um, maybe the general public, some people think, but I breathe, so why should I look at my breathing patterns when we know as practitioners a lot of people, yes, they breathe, we all breathe, <laughs> but sometimes it's not, uh, it's quite shallow, isn't it, I've heard. Mm-hmm. So people just get hung up on on that sensation, right? The sensation yeah. it feels shallow, or mm-hmm. I'm breathing in my chest, or I need to only breathe in my belt. There's so much confusion out there. You know, mm-hmm. people will go, oh, oh, I'm not breathing enough. I need to breathe more. I need to make it bigger and harder, and I need to hear it. You know, some people. It get really noisy with their breathing so that they can feel reassured that they're actually doing it. Yes. <laughs> so there is a lot of confusion and I have the same kind of confusion, same mm. kind of confusion. Um, yeah. And I couldn't find the answers until I started digging a little bit deeper, doing a little bit more reading. Um, Leon Chetau, who was a... Uh, a fantastic um, teacher and professor. He talks a lot about breathing disorders uh, since passed mm. away, but a wonderful, generous teacher. And um, there are lots of people out there who are helping health professionals and the general public to understand breathing a little better. The, the recent book um, that James Nestor wrote on yeah. breath has been a pivotal book for a lot of people as well and it's helping people get their breathing back and restore that calm healthy pattern but also yeah. to help them perform better in sports yeah right. mm. so i i am I, I do teach all of that yeah you do do you want to share a little bit about what you do 
teach what your practice looks like now after all of these amazing uh, deep dives into the, I can't say the name, but the, the breathing practice. I would say I'm not a purist. Like I, I, um, I really blend the Feldenkrais method in my my um, movement detective style of really paying attention to what I'm seeing in my clients, and then help them figure out the best approach. So not one approach is not the perfect for for everybody, right? right? Yes, we don't have a cookie cutter approach ever in the Feldenkrais method, do we? No, we <laughs> don't. like this person presents this, so we do this, this, and this. No, we we are individualized attention to detail, aren't we? Mm. You want to yeah. share a little bit about, more about that? Mm. I well, I do see people in my office, and um, but I'm also teaching courses online. I'm teaching a lot of courses online around breathing, uh, breathing and flexibility, the relationship of the two. And um, I had just finished a whole series of, of breathing classes on improving capacity and sensing spaces and using different tools to sense space. And um, I've, I've done a, some courses on how to improve your nasal breathing capacity. So how to really tap into the amazing space in the nasal cavity, the sinuses, and what that does for our ability to uh, improve our oxygenation, dilation, yeah. blood vessels, all of that. So um, in, in a lot of my classes, I sometimes will do a short class, like a 20 or 30 minute class. And, um, and a lot of people will like those sort of condensed lessons so that it fits into their day. They get a little bit of breathing practice, be able to sort of feel really connected with themselves and good and then go on with the rest of their day so i've um and i do have plans i do have plans to um teach sort of do a breathing deep dive course um and uh in the future a 12-week program so it can take all the knowledge that i have all the different components of breathing and put it all into one beautiful course for people to take advantage of. I'm excited for that, very excited. And so if people are interested, make sure you go to Ferreira's website. Is that right? Well, yes, I have you? a free offer there. Yeah. Do you want to share a little bit about that? So I have a, uh, there's a, when you go to my website, there is an offer for a free breathing lesson on the website. So if you go there, there'll, uh, there'll be a pop-up and you just sign in and you get the free lesson in your inbox. Yeah, yeah. And I'll link the show notes below where to find um, uh, your website. And where else can people find you online? What, what, what about your oh, social media well. platforms? Uh, well, I am, I'm on Instagram. Um, movement detective yep. is my handle. I'm also on LinkedIn. My business is Feldenkrais in Niagara because I'm in the Niagara region, Ontario, Canada. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
And I'm also on uh, Facebook and you can find me on my um, on my website, of course, if you need to reach out. And of course, on the Movement Online Academy site, I'm there. Yes. I was going to say that. So if everyone, anyone has any questions and wants to ask you directly, the Movement Online Academy, you can pop inside and start the type the app symbol, start typing her name, and then your name will pop up. You can get tagged. And that's what the Movement Online Academy is about, to be able to share these uh, questions and um, have these conversations around somatic movement, Feldenkrais, breathing, all of those good nutritious things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to pop this on you and see if you want to uh, share. Do you have a little little movement uh, breathing exploration we can do now on the podcast for the listeners? Ooh. Well, okay. Um, oh, I just wanted to mention, because you were talking about yeah. the Movement Online Academy, the community. Yes. So people people need to know that it's it's really a private community. So you can contact me. No one else will know that. Uh, it's a very private community, uh, and and um, it's it's almost like having a private page where you can communicate in dialogue with other practitioners on that on that. Yeah. Site. Some people really don't like Facebook because they don't like to be out there and and they don't like their. Um, uh, their privacy invaded and so this is a very private place exactly that's what I love mm -hmm. about it it's, it is like a, it operates like a social media platform but it's not because we don't have the distractions and like you said it's private it is a dedicated community for somatic movement at the moment I am open to other well-being and wellness practices but at the moment it's mostly movement specialists like ourselves and yeah you can actually contact anyone in the community privately via their messages you go to their profile and it says mm -hmm. say hello I like that <laughs> you click the say hello and you can message um people directly in the community so yeah thanks for mentioning that yeah yeah so uh, a lesson um let's start with hmm all right so you're all sitting probably, everyone's <laughs> sitting. So just, just take a moment just to notice your breathing. And as you're noticing, just notice how you're sitting. Are you sitting on your sit bones? Are you leaning back in your chair? Are you on one hip? And you don't have to change anything, just stay there. And notice that where you're sitting or how you're sitting might influence the direction and the effort in your breathing. So if you're sitting back in your sofa and you're kind of curled up, you might notice that when you breathe in and breathe out, there's a certain shape. You might feel less available to breathe into your front and more available to breathe into your back. And we do have lungs in our back. And we do have part of our diaphragm descends in our back. And so if you're curled up, you might feel more movement behind you. If, let's say, you're sitting up on your sitting bones, you might feel that there's space in the front, 
if you're particularly arched, let's say your pelvis is tipped quite forward, and you've got an arch in your back, you might find it even easier to breathe into your front and not so easy to breathe into your back. You might find it easier to fill the upper lobes rather than the lower ones, depending on how you're sitting. So as we move around, the shape of our breath changes. If we lean to one hip, so go ahead and lean to one hip and just hang out there and just notice your inhale and your exhale. You might feel that it's a little easier. Which side is easier? You might notice one side is easier to breathe into when you're leaning to that one side. And then shift to your other hip and hang out there and feel what is it like to breathe on that side. So whatever side you're leaning to or you're tipping into, you might be making more space for your lungs to expand into your ribs, to your side, and downward into your waist and into your hip. So here's another thing is that if you prefer to always be sitting on one side, there's a good chance you're breathing more expansively on that side and maybe exhaling more easily on the side that's bent, that's folded. So this is where, this is a kind of a fun thing to play with because we all have our preferences, right, Angela? Yes, we do. <laughs> we yeah, do, we and often don't notice them until where our attention is drawn to them. So, very interesting. Yes, yeah, so posture, alignment, positioning affects how we inflate and deflate and how and we can play with this to find or find more comfort in our bodies. So that's another component of that 12-week program that I'm planning on working with is that how to find movement and breath and improve different directions so that your spine becomes more flexible, your ribs become more resilient and movable. Um, yeah, when you're doing whatever you're doing, if you're bending over and gardening or you're chopping vegetables or you're running a marathon or whatever, you want to feel resilient, be able to breathe. Yeah. Um, I'm currently started my eight-week fitness training and breath is I'm noticing that a lot while I'm training. So <laughs> you'll be proud of me. I've been lifting a lot more heavy weights and <laughs> training heavier. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. So I think um, we might have another podcast episode and dive more into some of the techniques on that episode when you're closer to releasing your 12-week program possibly. Yes, yeah. definitely. So listeners should listen out for that one if you're interested to learn more. And, of course, come into the Moving Online Academy and share what your experience is today after that mini uh, breathing scan. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you'd like to share with the listeners before we jump off here today? 
Um, I think one thing I'd like to, to mention is that uh, knowledge is power, right? And self-awareness is a very powerful thing. And whatever it is you're looking for to improve or to enhance, just know that just being curious is the beginning. And that's, an, that's a good place to be, curious. Yeah. Love it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you. You're very welcome. Appreciate you too, Angela. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everybody.